0: Hi, my name is Charles Hefner on program staff. You're listening to week six of False Creek Podcast. The speaker for week six was Shane Pruitt, and we had 5,061 students in attendance. Enjoy. How is everyone? Is everyone good? Awesome. Hey, why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, I'm so glad you got to sit by me. Why don't you tell them that? All right. If you have your copy of God's word, and I hope that you do. Turn to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1 is right before Colossians chapter 2. Does that help anybody? Colossians chapter 1. And as you're turning there, how many of you uh, played with this as a kid? Play-Doh. Anybody? All right. How many of you before the Lord, you still play with it? Anybody? Honest? All right. Now, my kids love Play-Doh, and, uh, and so I had to borrow this from them. And uh, how many of you, this is just kind of a cool like, cultural study, how many of you, you love to take different colors of Play-Doh, mix them together, and make your own colors, all right? Now, how many of you, me just mentioning that made you feel extremely uncomfortable because you don't even like your food to touch each other, all right? Now, here's why we love Play-Doh. First of all, does anybody love how Play-Doh smells? All right, I love how Plato smells. All right. Now, here's why we love Plato. Because we can have an imagination. Watch this. We have an imagination. And Plato is shapeable, bendable, moldable. And we can shape and mold Plato to become what we want it to be. And the moment it starts becoming something we don't want it to be, we can put it back in the container, put it back on the shelf. It really doesn't affect us, really doesn't bother us. Or what do we typically do? We kind of roll it up, right, and start back over, and we can shape it and mold it and bend it to become what we want it to be. Tonight, we're going to talk about the real Jesus, and I think this is so culturally relevant to where we are as a nation today, because watch this. The reason we love Plato is we get to shape it and mold it to become what we want it to become. Now, if we're not careful... What we'll do is we'll approach this the same way. See, there was a day when I was much younger, um, and your adult counselors remember this, they used to say this about culture, that culture really doesn't have a problem with God, they have a problem with Jesus. Adults, do you remember when people used to say that? And I want to say this paradigm, the paradigm has shifted even more to really culture doesn't have a problem with Jesus, they have a problem with the Bible, And the reason that culture doesn't have a problem with Jesus is because Jesus has kind of become cool, hip, and trendy. And the reason that culture doesn't have a problem with that Jesus, watch this, is because culture has began to love and worship a Plato Jesus. Now, what I mean by that is if we're not careful, we'll do the same thing as the church. is. we want to shape and mold Jesus to be what we want him to be, We want to shape and mold him into our image. We want to shape and mold him to be something that's tolerable for us. And hear me, we don't shape and mold Jesus. Jesus shapes and molds us. We don't create Jesus to be what we want him to be. The Lord created us to know the real Jesus. But if we're not careful, that's what we'll do. Watch. We want to shape and mold the Jesus that's tolerable for us. So we'll say... My Jesus, I want him to be passionate about what I'm passionate about. I want Jesus to care about what I care about. I want Jesus to get angry about the things I get angry about. I want my Jesus, watch this, very relevant. I want my Jesus to tolerate the lifestyles that I tolerate. I want my Jesus to be a Republican. Uh oh. I want my Jesus to be a Democrat. I want, my Jesus is white, my Jesus is black, my Jesus is brown, and watch this, if this is so relevant, if that's the Jesus we create to be who we want him to be, and then we plop him down, and watch this, that's the Jesus we sing to, that's the Jesus we lift our hands to, that's the Jesus whom we give to, that's the Jesus whom we serve, that's the Jesus whom we worship. All we've done is create an idol named Jesus, and there is no power in idols. There is power in Jesus of the Word of God. He is the one that transforms lives. He is the one that saves us. He is the one whom we are called to worship. So you're like, man, this started kind of intense. We need to talk about the real Jesus. And let me ask you this. What are some opinions you have about Jesus that's holding you back? See, there's a lot of opinions about Jesus floating around in culture today. All throughout history, there's been opinions about Jesus. One guy once said this. He said, I believe Jesus was a good moral man, but I do not believe that Jesus was God. You know who said that? Benjamin Franklin. Another guy said this. Jesus was sent from God, but he was not God. You know who said that? Gandhi. Someone else said this, Jesus is one of many paths that lead to God. He is not the only way. In fact, it's very arrogant for Christians to say that Jesus is the only way. You know who said that? Oprah. Someone else said this, God is a woman. (laughs) Ariana. Someone else said this, Jesus is not God. I am God. Marilyn Manson. Hear me. I want you to write this down from the very beginning. I want you to get out something to write on and write with. I want you to write this down because this sets the tone for the rest of the night. I want you to write this down. My opinion and culture's opinion about Jesus does not change who he is. He is the same yesterday, today, and if you've ever seen the movie Say Lot before, forever. So I want you to write that down. My opinion about Jesus does not change who he is culture's opinion about Jesus does not change who he is. However, our faith in Jesus of the Word of God will absolutely change who we are. See, Jesus doesn't need to change. We do. The Bible doesn't need to change. Culture does. So my opinion about Jesus does not change who he is. However, my faith in Jesus of the Word of God will absolutely change who I am. And tonight we're going to talk about the real Jesus. Are you okay with that? I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, we're going to talk about Jesus tonight. Now, you got to say it like you got some soul. We're about to have some church up in here. Turn to your neighbor and say, we're going to talk about Jesus tonight, all right? See, last night we asked ourselves, where do we come from? The answer was, a holy, on purpose God. We asked, why are we here to know that God? We asked, what's wrong with us? we got a major sin problem. We asked, what's the solution? That's what we close with is that our solution is bigger than our sin problem. His name is Jesus. Tonight we're going to pick up there. So look at Colossians chapter 1, and starting at verse 15. If you're there, say, "Uh Uh uh-huh. Turn to your neighbor and say, pay attention now. We're going to talk about the mystery of Christ and how mystery is something to be discovered. I pray that we would discover the real Christ tonight and be transformed by him tonight. And I love it. So the Apostle Paul is writing this letter to the church in the region of Colossae. And there's some opinions, very relevant, about Jesus that were wrong in culture. And they had began to creep into the church. So the Apostle Paul writes this letter to the churches in Colossae and say, No, 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 here is the real Jesus. And then Paul basically gives us a list, watch this, of characteristics describing the real Jesus and why he is the only one worthy of worship. And so I love this. And I want to give you a list tonight. So I want you to write these down. I'm going to give you six truths about the real Jesus, and the Jesus who saves and transforms. Six truths. Number one, I want you to write this down. Jesus makes the invisible God visible. Jesus makes the invisible God visible. Look at verse 15. It says he. Who's the he there? It's Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God. So number one, Jesus makes the invisible God visible. Has there ever been a moment where you say, God, if you're real, then show yourself? God, if you really care about us, then just come down here. God, if you really love us, then just make it where we can see you. And that's exactly what God did in Jesus, that Jesus was God with us. One of his great names is the name Emmanuel. And we only really talk about it around Christmas, but we should talk about it every day. Emmanuel literally means what? God with us. You want to know what God's like? look to Jesus. You want to see the face of God? See the face of Jesus. You want to know the characteristics of God? Look to the characteristics of Jesus. Jesus was not sent by God. Jesus was God. He was fully God and fully man. It's a great fancy theological term known as the hypostatic union of Christ. Turn to your neighbor and say hypostatic union of Christ. It just sounds fancy, doesn't it? You know what that means? That when Jesus was here, he was fully God and fully man. 100% God, 100% man. He was man as though he wasn't God. He was God as though he wasn't man. Jesus is God. So number one, he makes the invisible God visible. Number two, write this down. Jesus ranks above all of creation. Look at the second part of verse 15. It says, he is the firstborn of all of creation. Now, I want you to listen to this. Let's unpack this one for a moment. There are some popular cults, very specifically, I'll say that, popular cults that teach this, that Jesus was God's first created being. That Jesus being firstborn means he was God's first created being. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, that's a lie. Tell them that that Jesus is eternal. He has always existed. At the very beginning of time, there was Jesus. At the end of time, there will be Jesus. All everywhere in between, Jesus. He was not God's first created being. Literally, here in the Greek, firstborn means this. The original language of the New Testament means this. It's a military rank. means he ranks above all. He is the top rank. So it means this, out of the galaxies, the universe, the moon, the stars, the sun, the planet, the mountains, the trees, all of creation, 7.5 billion people alive today, your little Boston Terrier, Jesus ranks above it all. There is no one like our Jesus. He is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He is the most famous one of all. He is the the only one worthy of our worship. Think about it, all throughout history, there's been great kings. There was King Henry, there was King David, there was King Solomon, there was King James, not LeBron, the other King James, all right? There was King Arthur, the Knights of the Round Table. I mentioned a while ago, if you've ever seen the movie Sandlot, there was the King of Clout, who was that, Babe Ruth. There was the King of Rock, who was that, Right, there's the King of Pop, who is that? Michael Jackson, or the Burger King, or the King of Annoyance, Justin Bieber. Listen, they will all bow before the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. There is no one like our Jesus. And see everyone all throughout American history you always wanna argue who the president is or president isn't, and when you turn 18, you should vote and vote with your conscience and conviction. But aren't you glad that at the end of the day, if you have been bought with the blood of Jesus and the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of you, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter who the president is because Jesus is king. And you can't impeach him. He ain't going to resign. You didn't vote him into office. You ain't vote him out of office. He is king. And there's no one like our Jesus. So number one, Jesus makes the invisible God visible. Number two, Jesus ranks above all of creation. Number three, write this down. All things are through and for Jesus. All things are through and for Jesus. Look at verse 16. I love verse 16. It says, for by him, Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Look at this. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things Do you know what all things means in the Greek? you know what all things means? All things, all right? Turn to your neighbor and say, that means you. Look at this. All things were created through him and for him. All things are for Jesus. Now, remember how we talked last night? We said, why are we here? You are here for Jesus. You are created to know Jesus and to make him known. You are created to enjoy him. That is why you're here. And now I want everybody to look up at me because we're gonna talk. And until you start living your life for Jesus, and until you know Jesus, you will always feel like something's missing. You'll always feel numb. You won't have hope and peace and joy. You can have fake versions of that, but it's never lasting. See, you can get everything the world has to offer and still miss something. And we know it. Like we talked about last night, your generation just suffers with sadness and depression and anxiety and worry, and why? Because you've seen it. You've already been exposed to brokenness at such an early age. And you know how empty the promises of the world are. And we see it in our celebrities and in our athletes, and our heroes, and how many of them are ending their life because they get to the top of everything the world has to offer and see that there's nothing there. Does the name Marcus Pearson ring a bell for anybody? I bet this name will. What about the name Minecraft? All right, Marcus Pearson is the creator and developer of Minecraft. Listen to this. And at 36 years old, he sold the rights of Minecraft to Microsoft, forget this, 2.7 billion dollars. And then not long after that, so he became a billionaire overnight at 36 years old. Not long after that, he found his dream house. It was a mansion that he desperately wanted, but he got in a bidding war over the mansion with someone else. In fact, that someone else was actually a power couple by the name of Jay-Z and Beyonce. Get this, they got in a bidding war. Marcus won and bought his house for, get this, $70 million. This house had tons of rooms, tons of toilets. (laughs) But the most impressive thing in the whole house to me was it actually has a candy wall. I don't even know what that looks like. It's like Willy Wonka's house, right? A candy wall. Can you imagine you're walking through and you're like, I feel like a Snickers. Let me go pull it off the wall. You know, I think the Lord is calling me to have some sour Skittles. Right? It's amazing. And then a couple of months after that, he tweets out, I have more money than I could ever spend. I have my dream home. I have the cell phone numbers of celebrities in my phone. And I've never felt more alone in my life. Because at the end of the day, we have this Jesus-shaped hole in our soul. And no matter how many mansions we try to fill that with, no matter how much money and popularity we try to fill that with, no matter how many candy walls we get, nothing will satisfy our soul besides Jesus and Jesus alone. And we know that. And once again, culture even realizes it. They just don't know what the solution is or they refuse to surrender to solution. And we even see it in our arts and entertainment, right? Because there's a philosopher by the name of Sean Mendez. And listen to what Sean says. What's sad is he knows it and he feels it, he just doesn't know what the solution is. Listen to what he says He said, Help me. It's like the walls are caving in. Sometimes I feel like giving up, but I just can't because it isn't in my blood laying on the bathroom floor listen how sad this is laying on the bathroom floor feeling nothing i'm overwhelmed and insecure give me something i could take to ease my mind slowly so that's the answers of the world right when the walls are caving in here take this here drink this that's all the world has to offer he said just have a drink and you'll feel better just take her home and you'll feel better keep telling me does it get better, but does it ever? Help me. It's like the walls are caving in. Sometimes I feel like giving up. No medicine is strong enough. Someone help me. I'm crawling in my skin. Sometimes I feel like giving up, but I just can't because it, what, isn't in my blood. It isn't in my blood. He feels the emptiness. He feels the sadness, and yet it isn't in his blood to fix it. It's not in the blood of the world. It's not in the blood of medicine. And it's not in the blood of drugs. And it's not in the blood of taking somebody home. And it's not in the blood of mansions. And it's not in the blood of candy walls. But you know what will satisfy us? There's another blood. It's in the blood of Jesus in his righteousness. He is the one who satisfies us. He is the one who gives us hope and joy and fills our soul. You are created for Jesus. And until you truly know him, until his spirit truly lives inside of you, you will always feel empty. No matter what the world has to give you, you will still feel like something's missing. Number four, write this down. Jesus is the sustainer of all things. So number one, Jesus makes the invisible God visible. Number two, Jesus ranks above all creation. Number three, all things are through and for Jesus. Number four, Jesus is the sustainer of all things. Look at verse 17. And it says, And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. I love this. So not only is Jesus the reason for creation, Jesus holds creation together. Now I want you to wrap your mind around this, that Jesus is so big and so powerful, he literally holds the galaxies together. And yet that same Jesus knows you better than you know yourself I mean wrap your mind around that one of my favorite verses in scripture is Matthew 10 30 and the reason I like it is just because it's a weird verse it's Jesus talking he says that even the hairs on our head are all numbered I mean think about that the average human head has 144,000 strands of hair on it now some of you in here guys have a lot less than that (laughs) that's okay Jesus still loves you, you just make his job easier, all right? But think about this. I mean, this is mind-blowing. This should humble us. Because how many of you have ever felt forgotten by God before? Listen, you are not forgotten. He holds the galaxies together, yet he has every uh, every hair on your head numbered. And not even a strand of hair falls from your pretty little head that he doesn't know about it. Wrap your mind around that the most famous one of all, and not even a hair falls, that he is not involved with and knows. He knows you better than you know yourself. He has not forgotten you. Think about that. Guys, ladies, every time you put a hat on, you take it off, hair falls out. If you're lucky, it grows back. Jesus knows. Every time you take a shower, junior high boys, showers are a gift from the Lord. Use them, amen, (laughs) all right? Every time you take a shower, hair falls out. If you're lucky, it grows back. Jesus involved. Think about this, ladies, every time you brush your hair, right, girls, because I've seen some of your hairbrushes before, (laughs) looks like you killed a horse with that thing, right? It's got a fro. Your hairbrush has a fro. The same Jesus, watch this, good truth, the same Jesus that holds the galaxies together knows you better than you know yourself. So you can say it like this, if Jesus is big enough and powerful enough to hold the galaxies together, then he is big enough and powerful enough to handle whatever you're going through. And see, we're always telling our circumstances how big they are to us. And see, we're always telling God how big our circumstances are. Maybe it's time we start telling our circumstances how big our Jesus is because he has not forgotten us and he loves us. He knows us better than we know ourselves. He is the only one worthy of worship. Number five, Jesus is to be preeminent. So number one, Jesus makes the invisible God visible. Jesus ranks above all the creation. All things are through and for Jesus. Jesus is the sustainer of all things. Number five, Jesus is to be preeminent. Look at verse 18. It says, and he is the head of the body, the church, meaning this, the church exists for Jesus. That is why we're here. The church is not a building, it's a people. And you're the church. And let me just address this real quick. You know how you're told all the time you're the future of the church? And I know what we mean by that future leaders, pastors, deacons, worship pastors. I know what we mean by that. But would you please hear me this? If you have been bought with the blood of Jesus, students, and the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of you, according to the New Testament, hear me, you are not the future of the church. You are the church right now. And Jesus is the head. You have a calling now, a mission now. We'll unpack that later in the week. The church exists for Jesus. You are created for Jesus. He is to be preeminent. He is to be number one. He is to be king. That is why you are created. Watch this. Your mind was created to think about the greatness of Jesus. Your mouth was created to tell the world about Jesus. Your feet were created to follow Jesus, your hands were created to serve Jesus. Your heart was created to beat with passion for Jesus. We as the church exist for our groom, and our groom has a name, and that name is what? Jesus, and he's to be preeminent. Now, what does that mean? I want you to look at verse 18 again. It says, he is the beginning, the firstborn of the dead that in everything, turn to your neighbor and say, everything means everything, that in everything he might be preeminent. So what does this mean? Real quickly. For Jesus to be preeminent means he truly is number one. But now let me unpack that. I want everybody to look at me just for a moment. For Jesus to be number one does not mean he belongs on a list. Isn't that kind of how we always teach it, that we have a priority list, right? And that Jesus should be number one on our priority list. So it looks like this, Jesus number one. Family number two, church number three, hobbies number four, friends number five, job number six, and school, all the way at the stinking bottom, right? (laughs) No. Hear me. For Jesus to be preeminent, to be supreme, to truly be number one, for him to truly be God, he doesn't belong on a list. For Jesus to be preeminent, it means this, he owns the list. Do you see the difference? Jesus doesn't belong on the list. For him to be preeminent means he owns the whole list. So it means this. Jesus, number one in our life. Jesus, number one at school. Jesus, number one in our hobbies. Jesus, number one in our job. Jesus, number one in our relationships. Jesus, number one in our family. Jesus, number one when we're at the mall checking out boys. Uh-oh, girls, huh? Jesus. Number one, guys, when you're on the ball team, what's your language look like in the locker room? Can you really say he's preeminent? See, because here's the deal. In the locker room, we just talk filth. Right, guys? I was an athlete. We just talk filth. And then we get out there, and then we want to pound our chest at Jesus, right? You ever seen somebody do that, hit a home run? Psh, go around first, second, third, home, cross home and go, As if Jesus is in heaven going, back at you, dog, back at you, right? (laughs) Can you really say Jesus is the Lord of your life? And I don't mean just some of your life. I don't mean, is Jesus the Lord of your life on Sunday mornings or at Falls Creek once a year? I'm saying, is he the Lord of your life? Is worship a lifestyle for you? See, we're all guilty of this. I am too. i saying, hey, what time does worship start? We say, oh, 730. What time does worship end uh, when Shane stops preaching, right? (laughs) No, no, no. Worship doesn't start and end. Worship is a lifestyle. Seven days a week, 24 hours a day. You should come in here worshiping. You should leave worshiping. You should be worshiping at your school, at your job, in your neighborhood, to the nations. Jesus is to be preeminent. And he's not a hobby. Jesus isn't a hobby. He is Lord. He is boss. He is king. He is El Hefe for my bilingual friends. He is to be preeminent. And then number last, look at number six. Only Jesus can save us. Look at verses 19 through 20. This is where we land the plane. It says, for in him, Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Listen, Jesus was not partially God. Jesus was not 99% God. Jesus was fully God. Verse 20 and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And we should all say, "Amen." amen. Are you thankful for the cross of Jesus? So number one, Jesus makes the invisible God visible. He ranks above all of creation. All things are through and for Jesus. Jesus is the sustainer of all things. Jesus is to be preeminent, and only Jesus can save us. See, we talked about this last night. We all got a sin problem. We were born with it, and it's big, and we cannot fix it. Religion can't fix it. No matter what we do, it cannot fix it. Our sin problem is big, but the good news is, is Jesus is bigger. Our sin problem is deep, but the good news is the grace of Jesus is deeper. But God loved us so much that he sent Jesus. And Jesus, the son of God who has always existed, took a mission trip from heaven to planet earth and became a man to die as a man for mankind, fully God, fully man. And he lived a perfect life that you and I couldn't live, this sin-free life. Think about it. We've all messed up. We've all made mistakes. We all feel empty inside yet Jesus lived the perfect life. You're not going to live. Think about it. Everything he did was good and awesome. He caused the blind to see, the deaf to hear, the handicapped to get up and walk. That one's very personal to us. Our six-year-old son's in a wheelchair. He walked on water. He calmed the storm with his voice. He fed over 5,000 people with two fish sandwiches. Subway has nothing on that, brother. Amen. <laughs> he raised Lazarus from the dead. He said, Lazarus, come forth. And he did. You know why I love that story? Because if you have a King James Bible in John 11... Says they rolled the stone away and Lazarus was in there for four days and it said he stinketh. <laughs> if you stinketh, you deadeth, bro. And Jesus said, Come forth, and he did. Lazarus, come forth. You know why I think Jesus had to call Lazarus by name? Because our Jesus, our King, is so powerful. He has such power over death that Jesus standing in a cemetery, if he would have only said, Come forth, then every person would have come out of their graves. Our Jesus. And then at 33 years old, he did the greatest act of love ever. He took my place on the cross. He took your place. Don't ever get over that. Listen, we don't ever, no matter how long you've been following Jesus, you don't ever mature past the gospel. You mature in the gospel. He took our place on the cross. Your place. My place. I want you to take your finger, hold it up like this. I want you to poke yourself in the chest and say, my place. He was the perfect sacrifice of my sin perfect substitute for your sin see when they shoved the crown of thorns on his head that should have been me when they spit in his face that should have been you when they nailed him to the cross that should have been us we are sinners he is sinless we are messed up he is holy and yet he took our place they took his lifeless body off the cross and put it in a borrowed grave you know why they put the body of Jesus in a borrowed grave Falls Creek I'm going to stay there alone baby because three days later he did what Buddha did not do he did what Muhammad did not do he did what Joseph Smith and Mormonism did not do our Jesus busted out of the grave showing that God the Father had accepted God the Son's sacrifice on our behalf he conquered sin death the hold of Satan he made the way possible to know God again he made the way possible to be full of Jesus remember we said there's this Jesus shaped shape in our soul and he can feel it he showed himself for 40 days to show he literally overcame the grave then at the end of 40 days, he climbs on top of a mountain rock right before his disciples. He ascends into heaven. Goes through the gates of pearl down the streets of gold. Set down at the right hand of the Father because three very important words he said on the cross. What is it? Paul's Greek. It is what? Finished. He made the way possible to know God again. But that ain't the end of the story because one day the trumpet's gonna blast. The angels are gonna shout. Jesus is coming back for his church. Do you believe that? People ask all the time, when is Jesus coming back? I don't know. But one thing I do know is today is a heck of a lot closer than yesterday was. There's urgency in this. I love what one evangelist said. He said, the angel Gabriel is going to toot and we're going to scoot. That's cool. I like that. But it begs the question, who's the church? According to the New Testament, anyone who repents and believes. Remember how I said last night we were born with our backs towards God and our face towards hell, and we hear this message of hope. We hear this gospel, and we repent. It means to have a change of heart, change of mind. We turn from sin. We turn to a Savior named Jesus place our faith in him, and the moment we place our faith in him, he places his Holy Spirit in us. The same power that ripped Jesus out of the grave now comes to live inside of us, and when the Holy Spirit of God comes to live inside of us, he gives us hope, love, joy, peace, life, because all those things have a name, and that name is what? Jesus. And when the Holy Spirit of God comes to live inside of you, you are forgiven of past, present, future sin. When the Holy Spirit of God comes to live inside of you, You go from lost to found, from an orphan of sin to a child of God, from dead to alive, from a sinner to a saint, and heaven is your home. That is the real Jesus. And no matter what your walk of life is, no matter what God calls you to one day, no matter what your walk of life is going to be, it is worth walking behind Jesus Because he is our ultimate and greatest need. Listen to this. Whatever your walk of life is going to be one day, it's worth walking behind Jesus. He is the only one worthy of our worship. He is our hope. Look at this. If you're going to be a geologist, Jesus is the rock of ages. If you're an architect, Jesus is the firm foundation. If you're a lawyer, Jesus is the judge of the living and the dead. If you're a news anchor, Jesus is the good news. If you're a nurse, Jesus is the great physician. If you're a zoologist, Jesus is the lion and the lamb. If you're an astronomer, Jesus is the bright morning star. If you're a pastor, Jesus is the high priest. If you're a weightlifter, Jesus is the mighty god. If you're a police officer, Jesus is the true and faithful witness. If you're a gardener, jesus is the rose of sharon if you're a photographer jesus is the picture of perfection if you're an english teacher jesus is the eternal word if you're a writer jesus is the author of salvation if you're a baker jesus is the bread of life if you're an electrician jesus is the light of the world if you're a musician jesus is the song of the redeemed if you're a truck driver Jesus is the highway to holiness and the roadway of righteousness. If you're lonely, Jesus will never leave you or forsake you. If you're a sinner, Jesus is the Savior. If you're in the need of a brand new start, Jesus is the creator of all things new. If you're in need of direction in your life, would say Shane I've never heard of Jesus like this before but I know this I'm empty inside I've been struggling I don't know happiness I just feel numb but tonight I believe God's speaking to me and tonight I need Jesus if God's talking to you like that Maybe you're here tonight and you go, well Shane, man, I've heard about Jesus my whole life and I know about Jesus, but I don't truly know him. And maybe you were six and you went to BBS and they had fake Oreo cookies and you prayed some prayer because everyone else did. Well, know Jesus, now's your time. Maybe you're here tonight and you go, Shane, I don't know, man. I don't know if the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of me. I don't know if I'm really a Christian. Let me ask you this. How can a God so big and a God so powerful hold the galaxies together? How can that same God live inside a little of me and you and we not know if he's there or not and be radically changed by him? So maybe tonight you're not knowing. is really you do know you don't belong to him. But tonight you do. Maybe you're here tonight and you go, well, Shane, man, I just kind of like to hang out in the middle, man. You know, I'm no Satan worshiper. but I don't want to be any Jesus freak. I don't want to be any odd for God. So I just hang out in the middle. Let me, as lovingly as I can, tell you this. There is no middle. Jesus said himself in Matthew 12:30, you're either with me or against me. You're either following Jesus or you're not. You're either in or out. There is no middle. And here's one thing I can promise you. One day you will draw your last breath. And you will stand before King Jesus. And here's what I promise you. He will not say, hey, great job. You hung out in the middle. Say, well done, good and faithful servant. That's for those who knew Jesus. But you, are hear the most nightmare statement of all time ringing in your ears for all eternity. Depart from me, I never knew you. But now you can. Maybe you feel like God's done with you. Listen. As long as there's life and breath in your lungs, He has not done with you. Maybe you're here tonight and you go, well, Shane, you don't know what I've done. I've messed up too bad. No, 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 no. Listen, you don't know what I've done. But I know what Christ has done, and his grace is enough. No matter how deep your sin is, his grace is deeper. No matter how big your sin is, his love is bigger. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, how many of you tonight say, tonight, I need to surrender to Jesus. I've been hopeless. I feel empty. But tonight, I feel like God is speaking to me. And I want to surrender to the love of Jesus. And that's you. Would you just look up and meet eyes with me? You say that's Shane. Tonight I want to surrender to the love of Jesus. So many of you. you guys, serious about that? You guys, serious about that? Keep looking up at me. I want to surrender to the love of Jesus. I've been feeling empty. And I need his love tonight, his forgiveness as well. How many of you, you just keep looking up at me? How many of you say this, Shane? Man, I prayed some prayer when I was little. I didn't understand. But tonight I truly understand the love of Jesus for me. Tonight I truly want to surrender my life to Jesus because tonight I really understand and I want to invite the Holy Lord to live my side in my life and change me from the inside out. If that's your story, would you just look up and meet eyes with me? And you say, that's me, that's me? Awesome. So many of you. Keep looking up at me. Keep looking up. How many of you say this? Shane, I've been just kind of hanging out in the middle. But tonight I believe God's calling me to go all in. That God is truly calling me to follow Jesus and stop hanging out in the middle. If that's you, would you just look up and meet eyes with me? And how many of you say this, shade I don't really know if the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of me, but tonight I believe God's opening my eyes and I want assurance of salvation. I know I'm not guaranteed tomorrow, I'm not guaranteed the next night, I'm not guaranteed the next breath. And so tonight I truly want to surrender to Jesus and I want assurance of salvation. I want to know that heaven is my home. If that's you, would you look up and meet eyes with me? Awesome. So many of you. This is what I want you to do. Nothing to be embarrassed about. This is why camp exists. You are not alone. There's so many of you looking up. But if you're looking up at me right now because of those things applying to you, and God's speaking to you in that way, or you know you need to look up at me right where you are, I want you to just stand up right where you are, all over the building. Just stand up. You say, that's me, that's me. Just stand up. Stand up over here, over here. Stand up in the back. You say, Shane, tonight I need to surrender to Jesus that tonight I want assurance of salvation, that tonight I truly understand. I prayed some prayer when I was little. I didn't understand, but tonight I understand. Shane, I've been feeling empty, and I want to surrender. Keep standing up, keep standing up, keep standing up, all over, all over. Hey, listen, if you're standing up or you're looking up at me or you know you need to, right where you are, I want you to just tell the person next to you, excuse me, and I want you to just start making your way up here for the rest of you Christians. Would you begin to pray for them as they move? Come on. Come on. You're saying, that's me. That's me. God's speaking to me tonight. I need to surrender. I've been hanging out in the middle. It's time for me to go all in. People are moving. You come and join them. Come on. I praise God that he is mighty to save. And I praise God that he is not done working and that he's speaking to you. And I praise God for the confidence and the boldness and obedience to come up here. And there's men and women here who love you. They want to pray for you. And they want to talk about you. Does that sound good? Does that sound good? Our Jesus is mighty to save and he loves you. And listen, he is not done with you. In fact, this is a new day for you. This is a brand new start for you. No matter what you've gone through, no matter what you've been a part of, Jesus is enough. See, at the end of the day, we really are saved by works. It's just not our works. It's the works of Jesus, and His works are enough for you. I don't want you to ever forget tonight. Let this be burned in your memory. This is going to be a birthday for you, a spiritual birthday to never look back and watch what God will do in your life in and through you. He is so good. He is so good. Would you join me in, first of all, just giving praise and honor and worship to King Jesus, that he is mighty to save me and praying for these students and praying for the leaders who are going to talk and counsel through them that god would counsel through them give them discernment and wisdom let's pray would you join me in praying in fact would you just if you're sitting down would you just extend a hand just extend a hand and let's pray god first of all we thank you god you continually God, would lives be transformed tonight for your name, your fame, and your glory. We pray this in the name above every name, Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And the church of God said, amen. Thanks for listening.